again, everyone. I am so excited about today because I have just come to know my co-host today, Dr. Tara Egan. I am so happy she's here. We sort of got connected on this social media kind of platform, which is really kind of ironic based on what we're going to talk about today. But I love social media for this very thing where we can connect with people across the country who do work um, around kind of similar things. But today we have Dr. Tara Egan here to share with us about how to manage technology with our kids and social media use and and all of the ways that we need to be healthy because technology and social media are not going to go away whether we sort of like it or not. So um, Dr. Tara Egan, can you share a little bit uh, about who you are, what is the work that you do, and then I always ask people one fun thing uh, about you. Okay, well thank you so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Um, okay, as far as a little bit about me is I am a child and adolescent therapist and I own a business in Charlotte called Charlotte Parent Coaching. And um, I've been doing this for a really long time. I actually used to be a school psychologist and worked in schools. And then about, gosh, almost, it was a little over 10 years ago that I started Charlotte Parent Coaching and started working with parents and kids and over time, it's really evolved where one of the primary issues that I address is helping parents teach their kids how to use tech and social media in a, in a moderate and healthy way. And like you said, this is something that is so much a part of kids' world. And now we're in a time of COVID where we're doing learning, socialization, extracurricular activities, and kids are really getting pulled in a couple different directions because they have on the one hand, they want to use social media and technology as a way to like wind down, relax, check out. But then on the other hand, we're like, tune in, pay attention, learn, get your schooling through it. So it's just sort of a struggle or just a reality that all parents have to work with. So I've really been exploring that. I also have a whole bunch of kids. I have, um, three kids that are minors and they, I have a stepdaughter and I have a daughter and I have a son and they're all teenagers. And then I have three grown stepchildren who are, you know, out of the house, but it's something that I have to manage every day and telling my kids that I'm an expert in it is just not a good enough answer for them on why they should understand it all. Yeah. Isn't it so funny? I mean, I tell, I know that you do workshops too in the community, but I tell folks all the time, it is so hard sometimes to go and talk about these things because I actually practice them every day, you know, and I, I often tell participants at my workshops or clients that I have that I will never say to you, to do something that I haven't either seen work or haven't used in my own kids. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just to tell your kids like do this because I said so and I'm the expert. Yeah, those teens don't no, really usually. They don't really care at all. And the thing is, is there's so much technology that we as adults do, especially, you know, as a therapist now on during COVID, you know, I'm doing so many of my sessions via Zoom. I started this my own podcast that I co-host with my teenage daughter. So I'm like, don't be on Instagram and Snapchat, but come upstairs and let's, you know, record a bunch of episodes and, you know, that kind of technology, that's okay. But this other kind that you want to do, I think is a waste of time. So, you know, limit that. And so we have to really balance it based on also what we're role modeling and what's manageable for them to get their stuff done and for us to get our stuff done. 
It's such a good point. You know, it's like, yeah, I can be on my phone because I have to check my email from the students that have been emailing you, but you can't be Mm -hmm. on your TikTok Mm -hmm. uh, account right now because I want you to be playing with other things or with your brothers or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's so true. So uh, tell us something fun about you, Tara. Oh my gosh. She told me that before when we were talking and I'm like, what is fun (laughs) about me? I think probably two things. I am a huge reader. And so in a given week, I might read like three different novels and it causes me to stall from doing other things like laundry and, you know, answering the pile of emails. But I almost, you know, probably two hours a day read pleasure books, like not even anything educational. I love it. What are your favorite kinds of books to read? Well, I like the ones that are free on the library app. And so I am part of a Facebook group and I really troll it for recommendations. So I really like memoirs. I just read Educated, which has been out forever by Tara Westover, but I just love that. And, but I try to mix it up. I can't read anything scary though, because I will stay awake, like with my eyes wide open all night long. So I like a lot of memoirs. I like a lot of kind of realistic fiction. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, what's so funny is that everything that you're describing is basically just like me. So people who know me or people who listen to me a lot are like, wow, she actually sounds a lot like Beth. Beth, Beth reads a lot. She, <laughs> she does everything through the free library app on Audible, actually, mm-hmm. um, or audiobook. And uh, it's just so funny, the similarities that, that you and I have already. So this is going to yeah. be really fun. So um, yeah, it's going to be really fun. So when we had kind of connected early on about, you know, what are you passionate about? What do you love to talk uh, with folks about? And Also, what do you find is something that is so critical for parents to know about? You had two topics that I loved, but the one we're going to talk about today uh, about social media, technology, how to stay healthy, you came up with some really awesome tips that you often share. And yeah, so just give us all that you've got that that are going to be, um, that are going to help us all be so much better parents. (laughs) Well, I think one of the questions I get most commonly is how much time, like Mm. what's the time recommendations? How much time should my child have on technology? So I know I'm on the, on the right side of parenting, right? You know, like I'm doing the right thing. And so my answer is a little bit, um, it just, you have to put it in context. So first of all, you know, what your kids are looking at and how old they are, you know, where are they developmentally as far as what they can handle is important, you know, so you have, you have a 16 year old kid, what they can handle emotionally if they look at something that is scarier or more realistic, um, sort of the darker side of society is going to be different than your, you know, seven or eight year old seeing it. But the main thing I tell parents is that when they look at the overall time that their kids are on the internet is to really put it in context of the rest of their day or the rest of their week. So the example I give is I have a middle school son. So if he has a day where he gets up, and he's lazing around and he's watching TV and I ask him to walk the dog and he's kind of grumbly about it and he leaves his dishes on the end table. And then he goes up and is like, you know, half-heartedly makes his bed, gets no exercise and then gravitates around to different devices. Like that's a really unproductive, unengaged kid who's not really contributing to the family as far as just 
and you can contribute by just being a pleasant person to be around. It doesn't mean, mean he needs to go out and like get a job, yeah. but um, versus, and so a day like that where he might waste three, four hours scrounging around with different devices. If you take that a day like that and you compare it to a day where he gets up, he walks the dog, we have a nice conversation. He goes and plays basketball in the front yard for a while. He heads over to baseball practice. He comes back. He helps make dinner. He, you know, takes care of his belongings and he's really cheerful. And then it gets to be five, six, seven o'clock at night. And he wants to go zone out for three hours on his video games with his friends. When we look at that in the context, like those are two very complete, you know, different days and how your kids showed up in their life is very different. So with parents, if you have a child who lays around all day, even if they're not on technology, which honestly, most of the time they are, uh-huh. and they're not really engaged in, the, in their world, like that's a kid who needs some interventions. That's a kid who's got some imbalance there. But if they are generally in a good mood and participating and engaged, them having an extra hour on technology time in the grand scope of the balance of their day is going to be fine. So it's not just about like a magical number of minutes that your kids is, are online. It's, it's, it's looking at their participation in life generally. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I love, I mean, I wrote down, I'm just bobbing my head over and over. It's sort of the, it's the, it's the good and the bad about podcasting, right? That people can't see, you know, our reactions to things, but here I am, I'm just nodding like, yes, yes, that's so good. Um, Yeah. And I wrote down, you know, how your kid shows up for their life. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. each day, how are they showing up for their life? So it may look very different, even for if you have multiple kids, Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, it may be, this is another thing you probably deal with, particularly related to the time thing where it's like, well, everybody has to be equal or else our kids are going to, yeah. yeah, Right. Our kids are going to be like, that's not fair. He got three hours and I only got two. And you know, Mm -hmm. so I love that that. one with the two hours might've had a terrible attitude. They might be behind in a couple of assignments. They haven't paid attention to the pets in several days. Like, those are, you know, that's a kid who might actually have a higher sensitivity to technology where it's a greater impact on mood, like energy level, like lethargy. We see a lot of times in kids who use too much technology. Yeah. So it really is important that parents have that goodness of fit parenting to whatever that child needs. And so, I mean, I'd rather you reduce the three hour kid to match the two hour kid than push the two hour kid up to three hours if they really can't handle it. But kids can learn, they can learn, like you get more stuff, you get more choices. Like, and when I say stuff, I mean, choices as far as privileges and such, if you are showing up in your, in your world. And because a lot of times with social media is it starts to replace other healthy activities. It starts replacing sleep, mealtime, real life social connections, extracurricular activities, exercise, and so for every, you know, extra hour they have on social media, that means it's an, an hour that they don't have towards something else. So if they have that extra hour on, on social media or technology, and then the time they're away from technology, they're just kind of laying on their bed or fighting with their siblings. That's very different than the kid who you had a great conversation with, was good company in the car, and was helpful when you asked him to bring in the groceries and played outside for a little while. Like those are not the same scenarios. It's so good. Yeah. So really, rather than thinking in such a black and white way of this is the number of hours or minutes is 
that is what I should allow my kid think about how are they showing up to their life and how is technology replacing other behaviors or other healthy lifestyle things that I want to see in my kid. Mm -hmm. There is a Facebook group that I really, it's not, I'm not association associated with it, but it's called um, parenting in a tech world. And I do believe that it's originally like sponsored or started by bark, which is a parenting or an app that you can use to help your kids make good choices online, but there's thousands of members in it. And one of the things, and I read it all the time because it's got such great input from parents to kind of see what, what are their questions and what are their concerns. And one of the things that is constantly being negotiated at homes is being able to have access to, to technology late at night or throughout the night where they don't wanna turn in their phone or have a time when their internet shuts down and they will fight and fight and fight and it feels so unfair to them. They feel like they're so unlucky that they're not being, um, that they're being restricted in their, their access to their friends or, or socialization. And I see that over and over and it's really difficult to say to parents like, okay, you know, if your child cannot handle taking a break from their technology at nine or 10 o'clock at night, why would they have the privilege of getting even more time during the day? Because this is a sign that your child is really struggling to moderate their usage. The thing I always say is, you know, learn from their behavior today what you need to do differently tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So last night was a hard night where you couldn't get them to turn it in. It was a fight. They were disrespectful. They were angry. What is their behavior saying to you? And like you're saying, their behavior is basically saying, I don't know how to monitor my usage of this. I don't know how to monitor my mood. So parent, I need for you to help me modulate mm -hmm. that. So what do I as a parent need to do differently tomorrow as a result of this behavior today? Well, and I think there's some parents who think that, or they have, they're under the fallacy that kids can moderate their usage, that somehow mm -hmm. they're just being difficult. When in reality, this is such a compelling um, resource for kids and it really is sort of tricking their brain to keep wanting it more and more and more. So to have the expectation of like, come on, hon, you need to be able to manage it. Like, that's not always fair. Most of the time it's not. And even kids who are, you know, away at college and, and adults are really struggling to have moderate usage. What chance does a seven-year-old or a 13-year-old or even a 15-year-old have? So they absolutely need us. And we do need to have them understand like, it is part of my job to help you sort this out. Like this is a huge distraction. There's a huge appeal to this. I don't expect you to manage this by yourself. I don't even expect you to be happy about it, but this is what we're going to have to do to keep you healthy. That's so good. That's such good advice. So you asked me a couple tips and so yeah. I mentioned, you know, making sure that you're keeping in mind like meaningful time in your kid's life and I did also mention that aspect of making sure kids could separate out at night, but that was all under one tip, just so you know. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm, we, got, we got so much bang for the buck there <laughs> with that one tip. Okay, so well, tell us like, what's next. Okay, so my next tip to give parents is parents feel like there's no way they're going to keep up with technology, right? Because kids are always ahead of us. They're always... They always know how to be a little bit more sneaky. They know about the new apps before we do. They know, you know, the, the apps that we feel like we do know about, new functions come out and we don't, it takes us a while to catch on. And so parents can get this sort of helpless feeling like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can keep up. So I'm just kind of going to give up and cross my fingers and hope that everything I've taught my kid is going to, is going to stick. So my reply to that is 
we all make better decisions when we're being supervised. So you even think of us as parents, right? Like you go to the grocery store with your kid and they say something snotty to you. And if you were home alone, you might say something snotty back, but because you're in Harris Teeter, you like give some really great emotionally responsive comeback or response. Like we all do better when we're sort of being watched. And so even if you can't keep up and you're not going to, that's okay. I totally accept that. And I struggle with that too, despite my line of work, them knowing that you have access to your, to their phone, that you can pick it up, that you, you know, are, are giving approval for different apps and you know that they exist. All of those things help kids make better decisions. So even if you can't do it completely right, your child knowing that you're interested and involved and looking over their shoulder because you care sends a huge message to them and they are more likely to make better decisions just knowing about you. So that was like, oof, right? I'm sure that sometimes, so we all make better decisions when we're supervised. I think that that is among the best pieces of advice across the board, right? Yeah, just generally, right? Just generally when our kids know. Yep, yep, everything. Yeah. And I I can totally feel that same thing that parents probably feel where they're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what TikTok is. I don't know how they could, how could I even monitor? I want to let my kids have some freedom, but I also know that I can't just not ever check in. So what's the right amount of kind of monitoring of their devices? Do you have suggestions that you usually give to parents? Well, so a couple things is I encourage parents to not have a million devices. So your kid doesn't need to have an amazing laptop, the most recent iPhone, an iPad. You know what I mean? Like they don't need to have a million things. Like my kids have, just to give an example for my family, my kids have a phone and then they have their school issued Chromebook because pretty much everything they can do on their phone. I mean, that's a computer. It's just smaller. And so you know, that's one thing to do as parents is just to not make it overwhelming for yourself and and have to manage too many things. So another thing is to make sure that you don't have your kids get so much social media that you can't keep up with it. Like they don't need to be part of, they don't need to be have Instagram, Snapchat, Discord. um, I can't even think of other ones. TikTok, have a whole YouTube account. Like they're on Facebook. Like they don't need to have all those things. Usually kids can tell you like if, if you could only choose one or maybe two, what do you feel like is going to be the most relatable for your peer group or is going to make you feel connected to your friends or whatever their goal is? They can tell you. And so they don't need to have all of those other things that you have no way of keeping up with. And then they also has, have a hard time monitoring it. Like they have no idea who's friends with who on what. And because obviously each of those apps kind of have a little bit of a different culture to it. You know, don't put them in a situation where they have no idea what's going on either because they're just feel entitled to have exposure to every single thing out there because it does make them water down their communication. So it becomes more and more and more superficial. Mm-hmm. So any socialization advantages your kids have you can end up counteracting it because they don't have any high quality interactions. They're like, I need to check in with my seven social media apps and I need to, you know, send my streaks and I need to hit the like button on all the cute pictures, my friends. And like, they'll spend, you'll, you'll watch them like hours sometimes just 
sort of maintaining their online presence and there's zero quality to Uh that. So some of that is, you know, limit your devices. They don't need to be part of every social media app. And then what's left, you make sure your kids understand that you have the ability to pick it up and look at it. You're not spying on them. You're not, you know, if you guys get in an argument, you know, don't go over to their phone and start scrolling through their texts or anything like that. It shouldn't be done spitefully. But if my kid, if I pick up their phone and they start looking at me with panic, then hmm, maybe I need to look a little bit deeper because this might be a situation where they're not feeling supervised enough to be making good decisions. It's so good. Yeah. I also, you know, I talk with my own daughter about, hey, I want to be able to trust you. And if I'm going to let you have your phone, I have to be able to trust you. That doesn't mean I'm not monitoring. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at her phone periodically, but I all the time am, am reminding her that it's a privilege for her to have a phone. And this trust has to go both ways that I have to trust that when I when I check it, you're making good decisions and you have to trust that I'm not going to be just sneaking around, looking at your phone all the time, trying to catch you yeah. doing something wrong. Cause that's not good for a relationship either. Well, there's a difference between spying and monitoring. Mm-hmm. That's good. And Let's so, talk about that. Yeah. Like spying might be, you know, parents would be like, Oh, well, I put this app on so I can read their text and they don't know I can read it. And it's like, well, if you have a kid who does make questionable decisions and you decide that somehow that's necessary to keep them safe, you need to be really upfront with it. And so I didn't have them understand, like we're collaborating together to help you through this stage of your life where it's really tough to make good decisions. And so, you know, I want kids to know like, okay, my thumbprint's in your phone. And so when I pick up your phone, I can always get in it. And, you know, for me with my kids, the ages they are, they have to ask my approval. Like they have to send a request to my account that says, I'd like to get this app. And a lot of the times it's like some, you know, coloring app that's four plus or, you know, just some little thing that they use to entertain themselves. But my son, you know, sent me a request for discord recently, which is a social media app that a lot of gamers use. And he honestly didn't know what it was. Like a friend told him about it and he hit send to me. And I was like, oh, let's talk about what this is and what type of stuff is on this. And he was like, oh, I don't, I don't think like I want that. Like he knew that that would, that's a really big ask. And so, but had he just downloaded it and I didn't know, we wouldn't have been able to have that conversation. We wouldn't have been able to make choices that were good for him. So there's things like that, that parents can do to kind of have their kids know that they know what's going on without handing your phone. I'm going to be reading your text right now because I don't like your attitude or yes. sneaking into their room and picking up their phone and scrolling through. I would just rather it be upfront from the time they're like tiny, you yeah. know, four, five, six, seven, eight years old. Like this is just the culture of our home. This isn't something that I step away from monitoring. And then when they make a colossal mistake, suddenly now I'm in their business. Like it really should just be, this is how we do things around here. It's really open and friendly and helpful versus I caught you and now your world just got smaller. It's so good. That's such a good reminder. And I also, as, as I was sitting here thinking, I was thinking to myself, okay, so let's say I'm a parent and I have a kid who is really excited about getting social media apps, but I'm eight. So 
what so for those of you who can't see Tara right now she just made a smile like mm-hmm yeah. yeah so you probably get this question too because I get this question like what is the appropriate age for allowing our kids to start having and maybe you want to talk about it from a technology standpoint from a social media standpoint but the issue of social media and when should we let them have TikTok. When we should should we let them have this or let them have that? And I know an age range is hard. I already can kind of imagine that it's going to depend on the child individually. But do you have something that you often tell folks? I think most of the time kids don't really have the maturity to handle true social media like Instagram, Snapchat, Discord, and all of that till at least middle school. Yeah. I think that and that even then can depend on your kid. Like if your kid is super dramatic like they get really emotional over all social things it gets su- they're super upset when they see a picture of a friend with a different friend and it ruins their whole day like that might be a kid even in middle school who can't handle it but having your child be able to connect with a friend right like maybe they have a little bestie that lives down the street and they get on FaceTime together and they make silly faces and they dance around is very different than being on Instagram even if it's a private account and they're posting pictures and they're looking for people to hit like and they're forwarding things that they might not understand or there's things happening in the comment section that is too old for them. So that's one of the things with YouTube that is such a problem is you might have your kid and they're watching like, you know, Care Bear video and they're six years old, maybe seven and they can read okay, but then the you've left the comments on because you're not in restricted mode and there's all this foul language or racist commentary or whatever in the comments and now your kids are being exposed to something when you just thought they were watching Care Bear videos. So it's important to recognize like that some things like even TikTok that we think we're just sort of watching is still social media. There's still an opportunity to talk to strangers, to have an influence by people that your child, that, you know, isn't part of your value system for your child. But it doesn't mean that your kid can't connect using technology with texting and FaceTime and group texts and, you know, Facebook Messenger for kids and things where there's some opportunity for them to feel like, you know, a big kid who can send a message to their aunt and wish her happy birthday and not have to go and get on mom's, you know, phone to do that. Like, there's a happy medium there. And some of it is just adjusting your kids' expectations because if they hear that the kid down the street is seven and is getting Fortnite and they come home and make murmurings about it and you're sort of like, hey, I'm just gonna lay it out right here. Fortnite is not for seven-year-olds. That's not gonna be something we do in our home. If you're gonna be really disappointed about it, that's okay. You can cry, you can do whatever you need to do, but this isn't a choice that's gonna be given to you right now. It's so good. And I think it's also such a good reminder that our kids are able to tolerate that happens someone else's house. This happens here. Mm -hmm. And when we're clear about kind of the values, the rules, the expectations in our house, and we say, yeah, that might be true there, but that isn't true here. Kids are able to tolerate that. And I think sometimes we forget that. We want to protect them from feeling disappointed a lot of times. Yeah. And to me, the goal isn't to protect them from being disappointed. It's to teach them how to cope with disappointment because disappointment's going to naturally happen. So if we say, all right, I'm going to take away any opportunity for you to be hurt or sad or frustrated or disappointed, like you're not giving them tools to cope 
And then at some point it's going to be beyond your control and they're going to have no idea how to go about it. So, but it's also not fair to expect them to deal with something that they're not old enough to. And when we give kids who are seven years old Fortnite, or we give a third grader Instagram, and then it kind of causes havoc in their life. Like this isn't something your kid is doing to you. This is something that you might've inadvertently set your child up for failure. So it's really important to be protective of that, but also in that process, you have to be really upfront with your kids so they can adjust their expectations. You know, sometimes they get it in their head because somebody else has something then they should too. And parents struggle with like, how do I tell them? No. I mean, how do I tell them they're the only fourth grader to not have Fortnite when you know, your kid is kind of, you know, predisposed to be a little bit aggressive. It's a little bit moody, has a hard time shutting off media already. Fortnite's not going to make that any better. It's going to make it much worse. So you know, you're going to have to do what you can to protect them. Yeah. And I think it's also the other thing I was thinking about was I can imagine a family who is like, yeah, so I probably let my kid start social media or Fortnite too soon. And then we started to see these behaviors from our kids that we didn't like. And the thing that I was thinking was rather than yanking away the privilege because their behavior was bad, I want to encourage parents to say, you know what, let's have a, let's, let's sit down and talk about this and realize that this was both a me mistake and a you mistake, right? Mm -hmm. That I, I didn't know that this was going to be the way that uh, your body reacted to having access to these things. And right now, what I've realized a month into this is we can go back, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we can Mm -hmm. go back and say, you know what, we're going to revisit this when you're a little bit older. And then you may be able to have access to Fortnite when you're a little bit older. This isn't really a punishment for your behavior. It is in reaction to what has happened, but it maybe wasn't the best choice that I made because you may not be ready. Well, and that's the thing is sometimes we, we all do this, right? Where we try new things. And then sometimes it's a good fit for us and sometimes it's not. We're either not ready or it just isn't compatible with who we are. And so to say to kids, like we tried it and we learned that this caused, you know, you to be moodier or you to be angrier or just you you weren't having fun because you were arguing with your friends so much and getting so kind of enraged over not winning or whatever it is. And like we can learn from this and it's like you said, you're not in trouble we're always going to be adjusting parenting and how we manage things in our home based on whether or not it's a good fit for us. And right now this isn't, and they don't have to agree with you because they might be like, no, mm-hmm. you know, like this is the worst thing ever. You know, I'm the only one and I'll be better. I promise. And it can turn into that. And, you know, so, I mean, if you're going to have that conversation with your kid, like be ready, don't do it when it's the crack of dawn or after a long day at work or when you don't have the support of your co-parent. Or when they're very emotional because they just got the game turned off. Yeah. So we're getting so many more than just three tips, but I know you have one more, right? Okay. Yes. So this is one that is, um, I mean, it it really is meant for both boys and girls, even though we tend to think of it more for girls. Recognize that if your kids have social media, they will absolutely absorb what they're exposed to. Mm. So I'll give you an example. So a lot of, a lot of girls, will, if you go and you look through their Instagram, right, they've chosen 
certain friends or they've chosen, um, you know, certain products or whatever it is that they, you know, celebrities or whatever that they follow. And it's in line with their interests. And a lot of times in the, like in an age group of middle school, early high school, like they're looking at makeup tips and they're looking at cute bathing suits and they're just doing a lot of admiring each other's physique, whether it's hairstyles, hair colors, you know, eyelashes, everything. And if you have your kids and they're on social media a certain number of hours a day, and that's basically what their Instagram feed is tailored to, you will see that they will have a response of being more body conscious, um, comparing themselves to what they're, they're looking at. Like, I really encourage parents when your kids get a social media app like Instagram is make sure that it's part of the deal. They have to have exposure to things beyond that. Mm. So I'll tell my kids like, oh, you know, you need to go on and become a, a fan of Michelle Obama. She had a really great speech and I want you to listen to it. And of course they go on, they become a fan of her or whatever. They connect with her on Instagram and then they leave it. And so, you know, I tell them like there's certain news sites that I want them to, they, I'm not saying that I can guarantee they're going to read everything or watch every video that comes across their way, but I want to have their Instagram feed reflect a broader image than just things that are superficial and body conscious. So, and we see that with girls, they get hyper-focused on their looks, self-conscious if they don't look a certain way in, a, in an image that they think, you know, a movie star or somebody looks at. But then with boys, we see them and they get hyper aware of the physique of men. Like, oh, he's got really big muscles or he's an athlete who everybody, he's got a million fans or whatever it is. And they start comparing themselves to those male role models too. So we just want to make sure that they have a balance of what they're being exposed to of art and culture and politics and, and reputable news and, you know, not just make it, well, my kid likes baseball. And so everything in his, he's friends with his baseball um, team and he's friends, you know, he's looking at some professional teams and that's kind of it. And that's his world. So there's some ways, you know, that parents can really use their kids' access to media to actually broaden their world. Like that's one of the biggest advantages of the internet is that something that's really far, far away or something that doesn't feel relatable can become part of your kid's world in a good, healthy way. But if we just leave them up to their own devices, they're not necessarily going to be attracted to those things. So we need to help them. It's such a good tip to be like, yeah, if you just follow these additional people, it will at least thread in. And mm-hmm. now they may scroll right on past, but maybe they won't. You know, A lot of times they won't because it's a huge source of entertainment. But if you have, you know, if your kid really likes actors and you have them, you know, like boys, for example, have them follow the female actresses. And if there's somebody who's pro, um, you know, diversity or whatever. That's just an example, but you can broaden their world and have them get messages because they're not always listening to you. That's for sure. You know, if we say it, it's dumb, but if some movie star says it, it's a genius. So, you know, be, be mindful of that because I know that I'm interested in movies. I'm interested in politics and news and books and art and all that stuff. And, but I'm not necessarily going to be able to convey that in a conversation on the way to taking my kid to practice. We need to recognize like this is a major influencer of them. So let's use it for helpful. 
Yeah, let's use it for something that is good that maybe we can't, um, not that we can't, but that we aren't necessarily going to be able to reach them with, right? We can't mm -hmm. tell them every single thing about every single thing that we love or enjoy or think is important, but they can capture some of that, like you're saying, from uh, from some of their apps or some of the things that they're engaging with. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I have so many things. I've, I've written down so many things and I know that we've only talked about just the surface of what I'm sure you have expertise in, but I always like to just kind of wrap things up with, is there one last thing that maybe you, you thought about as we were talking or just one last thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I think the last thing I would say is just to remember that your kids, you know, whether you have littler kids or middle schoolers or even high schoolers, like their brain really does need stimulation. And they sometimes, if, especially during times of COVID where, you know, their world is smaller now, they might not have extracurricular activities that they had before. They might not be seeing their friends as much because of virtual learning and things like that, but like their brain still is, their frontal lobe is still looking for like excitement and drama and connection. And so when your kid is going from te technological device to another technological device, like just kind of recognize that they are sending you that message that they, they need something. And if there's a way that you can provide it for them through, um, you know, watching an exciting movie or going on the trampoline in the backyard or getting into a debate about politics, like a friendly debate, not like a hateful one, but just something to kind of keep them engaged and stimulated. Like we, I would rather that we do that in a mindful way than have them really squabble with their siblings or they break a rule, you know, to get that sort of feedback to their brain that feels exciting in normal, regular, non-COVID life, you know, they're playing in a baseball game or they're going to an amusement park or they're seeing a real action-packed movie or they're gossiping with their friends and flirting with the, the kid who sits across from them in math. Like all of that stuff now is taken away. So they, but the need they have has not been taken away. Like that's still there. So as parents, we're going to have to think of pretty creative ways to meet that need, you know, during these times now. And that's tough. So we have to think outside the box, but it's really important. It's a way of providing for them. Yeah, as you talk about a replacement behavior for technology is very stimulating. So we can't then put them into a situation where we say, well, why don't you do this instead? But it's not actually a stimulating activity for them. It's not going to be something that they're going to want to do. And then you're going to be met with a whole lot of resistance when you're well, saying. And recognizing like whenever technology is on the table, they're always going to gravitate to that. So for them to find other activities stimulating, it may mean they need a little bit of break from technology. So, you know, if you tell a kid like, oh, we're going to go to the mountains for a weekend and we're not bringing our cell phones, like nothing sounds more boring to them. But if they've had a pause, there isn't technology laying on the table for them to grab, then suddenly going on a hike or swimming in a lake or, you know, playing a board game with the family is going to feel like a more satisfying, you know, activity. You know, so I say that just like recognize they're probably not going to be happy with something else to the same degree, but it doesn't mean that it's not worth trying. And that if you have a kid who always gravitates towards technology, that's not abnormal. Right. It, it is very normal, but we are seeing, you know, kids are really struggling with yeah. delay of gratification, um, handling being bored, um, even like laying in going to sleep at night, like the 10 minutes it takes them to fall asleep, they could feel like 
persecuted. Like, I can't believe I have to lay here and not be looking at a video that I like, like this is, this is garbage. So, you know, we, I feel like as a parent, like I'm always working to keep their tolerance of being bored and, you know, high enough where they can be functional. And I know I'm, it's tempting to me. I'm standing in line. I'm like, well, I'll just read some of my uh -huh. book while I'm standing here, you know, and if I don't have access to my book, I'm like, well, this is unfair. I mean, <laughs> this I can't is even stupid. Um, yeah. <sighs> like, and I think like, if I feel that with my 43 year old brain, how hard is it for a 12 year old? My kids sometimes say like, back in the old days when you didn't have an iPad, what would you do in the car? Or what would you do? I was like, we looked at the trees. I don't know. Yeah. Like we... I'm like, I read my book until I threw up. That's what I did. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what is so funny? We talked before we kind of got started here and we were like, we could talk for two hours and probably even longer about just mm -hmm. this topic alone, much less any of the other things that you and I overlap on. But tell us how we can find you because I'm sure there are going to be people who hear you and are like, I need to look her up. <laughs> tell us how we can find you. I'm kind of everywhere. So I'll tell you. Um, so my business here in, in Charlotte is Charlotte Parent Coaching. So it's charlotteparentcoaching.com. So if any family out there needed support through therapy, that would be a good place to find me. I also have a podcast called One Day You'll Thank Me. And we publish a new episode every Wednesday. And I host it with my daughter, who's a teenager. And we do a combination of solo episodes where we talk about it's, it's the audience is adults. It's not, we're not creating a podcast for teenagers, but we do hope to inspire conversation between parents and teens, but we do a combination of solo episodes and we do um, guest interviews. And we've talked to eating disorder specialists, porn addiction specialists. We've talked to a former DEA agent. We've talked to a veteran teacher, occupational therapist, like a divorce lawyer. Like we really try to cover a whole bunch of topics that could be interesting to parents and, and you know, go down the path of having some good conversation. So that's one way. Another thing that I'm starting up in, um, September, so just a couple weeks from now, from the time of this recording, is I'm going to do a weekly parenting webinar. And it's just going to be like 45 minutes, um, probably is going to end up being every other week. And we're going to cover in that time, like a topic that parents have asked questions about or just want some more information. And then there's going to be a question and answer um, section. So I really encourage uh, parents to go to my website at charlotteparentcoaching.com or my other website, which is www.drteregan.com and register for those um, parenting seminars because they're free. If it's a topic that's interesting for you, you can either join in live or you can watch it later. And if it's not, if it doesn't feel relevant, you know, you don't, you don't watch that one. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to think, is there any other way? Facebook, probably, Instagram. Oh yeah. Totally on Facebook. Um, Dr. Tara Egan, I'm on Instagram also. Those are my two favorite social media apps. I'm really interactive on Facebook in particular. That's my favorite way of connecting with people. So absolutely join me there. Yeah, mine too. I have Instagram, but I just can't quite get as excited. I, Facebook just seems so much more, it's just what I'm used to. So mm -hmm. I am also um, MWM make words matter with kids. I think following either of us and you're going to be getting lots and lots of great resources. It sounds like, cause we seem to preach a really similar yeah. set of messages that are all, you know, parent child connection focused, uh, really focused on 
giving parents the tools to reach reach our kids during these these hard times and during any other time too. But Tara, I am so thankful that I got to meet you. This has been so powerful, even for me as a mom, but also as a professional to share resources that you have. This has been so enlightening. Thank you so much for taking time. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, so brilliant. All right, until next time, y'all. We'll see you.